0: Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. So the other day I was invited to a golf day and I played with someone that I didn't know and uh, he was going on about load shedding and this and that and and I I said well we can still bry under the sunshine and we can sit outside and we can enjoy and he looked at me and he's like are you one of those glass kind half kind of fool guys I'm like buddy you've got no idea (laughs) I'm, uh, I'm much more than that and that's what I want to share with you this morning is how to deal with difficult things how to deal with difficult circumstances because we're looking at this our true reality And, um, and it really fits into that message as well. What is our true reality? Because we've been speaking about this for a while now that, that we've got, if we're born again, we've got the spiritual side and that really helps us to do things the world doesn't uh, understand. It helps us to do things the world don't want to do, like foster care, like going to court, like doing different things and loving different people and, and making Sundays great because uh, we want to be together and um yeah, giving. Giving money. Why give money? Like you need it. It's the interest rates are up, the petrol's expensive, diesel is more expensive, but we give generously. You know, even the Macedonian church gave out of their poverty. So a lot of people said, But don't ask poor people to give. No, you have to. Because we all need to give. Because Jesus said the women with the two mites gave the most. So it's really not about the amount. I mean, the amount helps when you need to buy flight tickets. And um, there's still some expenses left, but it's not about that. It's about about living not for the wisdom of this world, but the wisdom from above. And what we're realizing more and more is the more we get entrenched in this mindset of kingdom, uh, the more the contrast with the world starts to become evident. I don't know if you've realized it, but this is our grace bubble and we love it. Amen. I love our family. I love this community. I love what we do. I love to see you guys on Sundays, but we're not called to be a Sunday church. This is where we gather to celebrate like we do. Today is and like this is how I want Sundays to be. There'll be a word and there'll be all of that, but we come together to celebrate, to pray, to the word says, laugh with those who laugh, cry with those who cry. Let's do life together. Let's be real. Amen, family? Let's be real because that's what family is. You can, I mean, you can even throw a tantrum and you're still part of the family. That's, that's how it is. It gets messy and noisy, and, but it's family. So we're not here to make everyone squeaky clean and have a perfect program and make sure you're well entertained. I mean, sure, by now you've realized that's not what we're about, but we're about being real. And I remember years back when we were still pastoring in Durbanville, someone said to me, he's going he's to build a church one day. I said, awesome. I said, what are you going to call it? He says, real people. I mean, that's a good church, but we're not just people. We're more than people. We're new creation. So if you just do a church called Real People, you're going to miss out on so much. But we can be like Jesus amongst people. We can smell of the sheep. The Word says that shepherds smell of the sheep. And you know, there's a thing in in, in Christianity that it's up there. The man of God is up there somewhere, and he comes in late, and he sits in a green room, and you can't touch him, and you can't speak to him. I don't believe that's Jesus' heart because that wasn't his example. Then drew near the sinners and the publicans, drew near the sinners and the publicans and those who work for ESCOM. And they come near to? To hear God. Sorry, Benro. (laughs) You're not directly working for them. You're part of the, the solution. Amen. So you can pray for Benro. He's uh, doing his best to help us uh, out of this. But uh, it's like, it used to be those people who work for SARS. You didn't, like, what do you do? Uh, nah, you know, I'm in accounting, or I work in, uh, Yeah. Oh, you work for SARS? Okay. <laughs> now it's, oh, you work for ESCOM. There's a brother in Pikettberg uh, in church that works for ESCOM. And I saw him at the ministry night, and I said, oh, so how's it going? And he was so upbeat. He was like, well, what's under my control is it's managed. It's great. What's out of my control, I can't do anything about it. And that was a great attitude. Like he said, I'm in distribution, I'm not in generation. So my distribution network is doing well. I've maintained and managed and it got promoted. If there's no power coming into my network, that's not my problem. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. This guy's got pride in his work, even though he works for Escom. Amen? We, th- that says something. <laughs> He's not looking for a new job, by the way. He got promoted in his current job. And there's so many opportunities, but it's all about mindset. And you know what it is about as well? It's about worry. Because worry creates wrong focus. Worry creates so many different things. And um, we are not called as Christians to live troubled. We are called to live the troubled free life. There's troubles. We can't be trouble free, but we can be troubled free. Free of being troubled. Like, we all pay the same We don't pay the same diesel price, we pay the same petrol price. We pay a similar diesel price depending on where you feel, um, if you need to. So, guess what? We've got two cars, we're blessed to have two cars, we don't always have two cars. We've got one car that's a petrol car and one car that's a diesel car. The diesel car is nicer, it's bigger, the diesel price is expensive, so what we said is we're just going to drive more with the petrol car. You, You see, there's practical things, but or you can just cry and complain, or you can just do something about it. You can just change your perspective. You know, there's so much to worry about, but why? What will that help? Matthew 6. Matthew 6, and we're looking at verse uh, 30. I'm going to read the New Living Translation. I'll tell you where I don't agree with it, and I'll tell you why, but some of it makes a point. It says, And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow... He will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things. Saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate. dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Am I speaking to believers or unbelievers this morning? I'm speaking to believers, hopefully. If you're not a believer yet... Leave a believer. <laughs> it's better that side. Come over, not to the dark side, come over to life. Come over to light, because the kingdom says that the, the word says that we've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into a different kingdom, a different realm, a different dimension, the kingdom of the Son of his love. I love that translation of Colossians 1. You've been brought from darkness to light. You've been brought from earth to heaven. You've been brought from humanity into Christianity. First time I've said that, but that's true. You're a new creation. You've been brought out from humanity into Christianity. You're not just a new human. Amen? You're better than Adam. Romans 5 says you're much better than Adam. What Christ gave us is much more than what Adam lost. Okay? We need to get these things straight because that will cause us to overflow. That will cause us to... to, um, to I love that song that says, Look full in the eyes of His grace. And then What happens? The things of this earth grow strangely dim. Like, and still we, we, like I said, we all pay the same price for diesel, for petrol. But it's not about that. Oh, you're one of those glass half kind of fool guys. No, I'm just not of this place. I'm just visiting. I'm a tourist. I'm an ambassador. I'm a son of God. Yes, I have troubles. Yes, yesterday everything that could go wrong with two little boys in the house went wrong, including load shedding around bath time. Okay including a rainy day in Jordan who can't get outside, including snotty noses, including uh, adaption with uh, um, an almost two-year-old and a three-month-old that's used to paradise, and now someone's invading paradise, if you know what I mean. It was, a, it was a crazy day. But guess what? It's worth it. It's worth it. Because it's not about this world. It's about where we live, which is in heaven. Ephesians 2 and verse 6 says we are seated in Christ, in heavenly places. So what we do in this life echoes in eternity. And guess what? There's not going to be load shedding in heaven. Praise the Lord. Amen. So let's not worry about it. Is it an issue? It's a big issue. Does it have economic impact? Of course it does. Am I making light of it? No, I'm not. I'm just saying I'm shining light on it. The light of redemption. The light of Christ. The light of eternity. In this world, you will have troubles. Jesus, 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 why did you prophesy that? Because he's not a liar. He is the truth. (laughs) He's not going to lie to you and say, sorry, guys, you're not going to have any problems. You see, some, some sermons go like that. Come to Jesus and let go of your problems. No, it doesn't say let go of your problems, it says let go of your cares. There's a difference. Because your problems you can't do much about, but your cares, what you worry about, that's in your domain. That's in your mind. That's in your headspace. So that's not on God. God, There's some things God cannot do. He cannot change your mind. I thought that will go... <laughs> he can help you. He can, he can influence you. He can invite you. You can get into the right space amongst believers and they will invite you. They will invite you to change. They will challenge you to think differently like I'm doing this morning but God's not going to change your mind. God can't get you saved. He's made everything available to get you saved but unless you say yes and believe in your heart God's not going to get you saved. There's no magic wand, blue button, red button. There's no silver bullet. There's Jesus and either you take it or you don't. It's your choice. Blessing and cursing, life and death I put in front of you. Choose right. Choose right but you choose. Amen? That blesses me. doesn't make God less than He is. God is huge. He's amazing. He's all eternal. He's all-powerful. He's almighty. Yes, of course He is. He's got the final authority. Of course He does. But there's some things He can't do. He can't make you choose. He can help you. He can guide you. You can help yourself. And you've done so by being here this morning. That's why we... Advertise and continually announce these things, and maybe you think like, you guys announce everything the same every week, it's because you're not coming. It's because you're not joining in. It's because we know it's good for you. It's because we see the fruit, and sometimes on a Sunday afternoon, and there's Formula One, I don't want to go on outreach. I promise you. There's two boys at home now, who needs bath time, and who needs food, and who needs time with their dad, and who needs to run outside. But I am not only living for this world and this body. I have an eternal mind and an eternal perspective. I've taken the mind of Christ, and I still face the things of this world, but there are more and more times that I get to say no to the things of this world, to say yes to the things of God. I'm growing in it, and I'm making a lot of mistakes. I'm not putting myself on a pedestal. I'll share some of those mistakes, and and, 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 and I tend to do that, and share with you and be real, but there's an invitation to live for more than ourselves. And that's really where the adventure starts. You know the word repent doesn't mean confess. It's not the same word. (laughs) But in our minds we've got a short. You know what a short is? There's some electrical engineers that will explain to you what a short is. A short is if the power should go all the way there and there's a short, yeah, it doesn't go to where it should go. So what happens is we think repentance is confession, so what happens? We confess. The word says confess your sins to one another, not even to God. Why? Because your conscience needs it, not God. You feel better if you say sorry, isn't it? If there's reconciliation, restitution. God is at, at peace, ladies and gentlemen. God, the judgment of this world fell on Christ. Jesus said that in John. He says now is the judgment of this world. When? 2,000 years ago on the cross. But you need... To now understand what repentance is. Because if you continually confess, you never repent. If you think walking is running, and people say, go running, and you walk, do you ever run? You don't. So you think confession is repentance, and now you confess, do you ever repent? You don't. Because repentance means, some translations say, take, uh, change your mind. I went a bit deeper, and it actually means to take a new mind. I like that because now it's the mind of Christ. And yes, you need to renew your thought patterns to continue to your new mind to operate according to the new operating system. If you go from a Windows machine to an Apple Mac machine, you still need to figure it out because everything that's on the top right corner is now on the top left corner. Everything that is up is down. If you scroll with your mouse, what used to go down, now goes up. Okay? That's just how it is. But are you still installing or uninstalling windows? No. You have a new operating system. You're just figuring out how it works. If you repent, you take the mind of Christ, your body still is not renewed, by the way, that only happens after death. Now you need to figure out how this works. But you're not needing anything more. You got Christ, you got the Spirit, you got the mind of Christ, you're like the wisdom of God. Now we need to walk it out. We need to explain to ourselves. And that's why we come as a church to be equipped. Amen? So your body still wants to worry. But I'm telling you, as your pastor this morning, you don't need to worry because our Jesus said, don't worry. He said, take no thought for tomorrow. Take no worry. Don't care about tomorrow. Now the thought there is—it's it's not just thinking; it's, it's more on the case of worry. That's why the New Living Translation says, "Don't worry about tomorrow." It doesn't mean don't plan for tomorrow. You can plan for tomorrow. You can think about tomorrow. You can—you can—but don't worry about it. It's like this week, and, and, and like I said earlier, when we had to figure out how's it going to work, and where's Jordan going to be, and how it's going to do court, and like we were figuring it out. And there was many opportunities to worry about it. And we luckily we were so overwhelmed <laughs> that we don't, didn't have the capacity to worry about it. So I said to Natasha, we don't need to know now, do we? What do we need to decide today? Because with these things, you say yes, when you feel God put it on your heart, but you don't know that it's going to come on Tuesday. <laughs> we thought maybe at month end there's going to be another boy in our house. And they said, oh yeah, by the way, the court is Tuesday. That's an opportunity to be overwhelmed. That's an opportunity to be worried. That's an opportunity to go back on your decision. But if God said yes when he knew it would be Tuesday, why would we now change what God said? If God knew it would be Tuesday, then God's got it worked out for it to be Tuesday. We don't have it worked out. So we literally sat at the end of our day and we were like, okay, what do we need to decide today? Okay, we've decided today what we had to decide today. We don't have it all figured out. Let's go to bed. Next day, what do we need to figure out? Another testimony of this this week. So, because of the Albania trip, and we said we're going, now there's another baby, we said we're going. We're not going back on our word. God knew that there would be a baby, so God said go, so God's going to figure it out. Now this is a juggle act, again. Long story short, I'm going to drop off the family in Gauteng to be with Natasha's mom. That's another two flights with two babies. It's going to have to work out. Shane phones me and says, Hey, brilliant, Emily's money has come in. Can she travel with you? Of course she can, but I'm going via Joburg. Okay, we'll figure it out. So she's going via Joburg. We book the ticket from Joburg. We're not going to to Joburg yet. Both Emily, myself, Natasha, and the two boys, we'll figure it out. We'll get there. Shane um, says, yeah, let's just book the ticket, because um, the offer from the ticket closes at, I think, 330 This is in between a normal day by the way (laughs) i'm still working we're still doing meetings we're like this is just crazy so you need to not worry chart phones me oh by the way i'm booking tickets for myself and etienne we're on the same flight is it fine with you listen to this if i fly with emily to johannesburg i was still figuring out is emily going to go with us earlier is she going to spend time with my family or with her family is it fine If I fly with her to Johannesburg, and then when we get back, Emily's going to come straight to Cape Town, because we thought by then she'll be fine, and I'm going to have to go to Joburg to pick up my family. Oh yeah, and by the way, I'm going to be in Frankfurt with Emily, and I'm going to fly with her to Cape Town. That's a lot of what I said now, but that's a lot of logistics, a lot of logistics that God just figured out. I didn't need to know how it would work when we booked the ticket. I had many permutations and my head ran off, and then I said, I don't need to know now. The big ticket item, no pun intended, is to get into Europe. Let's sort that out. We still need to get to Joburg. We'll do it. Emily is catered for. She's covered. And we're going to go together as a team as we wanted to, even though the money wasn't all there together. You see how God works if we let Him. Because often, We get involved too much too quickly. And we want to figure it out. And what we do is we scramble the eggs. And God can unscramble eggs, but sometimes it takes a bit longer. Where if we sit back and we just do what we do and we don't worry, then we give God the opportunity to be God. And that's called faith. And what also happens is I've realized is we, we remain sensitive to His Spirit, to His leading. Because otherwise, when we worry and when we scramble the eggs, it makes a noise. You know those air klitzers. And then what happens? We don't hear God. And God's not going to shout. It's a still, small voice. He wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the fire. He wasn't in the big things. It's a still, small voice. And now the word in the Old Testament says you'll hear a voice behind you. Can I say that that is now different? Now you'll hear a voice inside you saying, this is the way. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has taken residence. He abides with you. He stays with you. He wants to be there. So, do not worry about tomorrow. How do we go about this? It says, Your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek. There's a key. Verse 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. And live righteously. Okay, that's where I don't agree. You live righteously if you realize that you are righteous. You don't really try and live so to become righteous. And I'll have to just uh, go through some verses to show you why I don't agree with this translation in that way. You live as you are. Why are you? You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You were made righteous. You're a slave to righteousness. Now we seek to live kingdom and we live according to who we really are, which is the righteousness of God. We're in Christ Jesus. You see, it's a positional thing. you need to realize where you are. Because if we get that, we get the full package. You are in Christ. There's no condemnation in Christ. You have Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, it's positional. It's not transactional, and it's not based on your actions. It's about where you are. It's about where you go to bed, and where you sleep, and where you wake up in the morning, and all of that is the same place whether you're in this land or Albania, it's in Christ. David said, even if I make my bed in hell, You are there. Now he's in you. He's no longer God Emmanuel. Don't sing those songs. He's not God with us. He's God in us. He came to be with us so that he could die on a cross, so that he can be in us. We've upgraded from Emmanuel. We have now Christ in us, the hope of glory. So what do we seek? That means seek. Look at your focus is kingdom. It's a different realm. It's heaven. It's spiritual. It's above this place, which we call earth. And therefore, he says in verse 34, so don't worry. He repeats this. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. He says you can plan for tomorrow. You can think about tomorrow, but don't worry about it. Because tomorrow, guess what? Is going to have more worries. (laughs) Sorry, there's going to be more. I think it's, um, what's it, Matthew 6 or John 16, that says, Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart. One of the translations says, be of good cheer because I have overcome. What has overcome this world? Your faith. That's what the word says. Not that there's no problems. Not that you know how to sort out everything. It's what you believe. Tomorrow will have some problems. Sufficient for every day is its own troubles. You see, we have enough grace for today. We don't have grace for tomorrow yet. But we have a surety that there will be grace in tomorrow. Listen to what I just said. There is going to be grace tomorrow, but we don't have access to tomorrow's grace today. It's like manna. You need to pick up fresh manna every day. What is manna? Manna is the gospel. Manna is, the word in Hebrew means, what is this? It's the bread from heaven that people ask, what is this? And then Paul comes and says, this is the mystery that's revealed. Jesus is the bread from heaven. And now you have fresh bread every day. Amen? We need to live in that place that God is never going to leave us nor forsake us. You see, Hebrews 13.5 really speaks to this as well. Because Hebrews 13.5 says, Be content with what you have. And we have and I have made contentment to be with what I don't have. It's very different. Be content not with what you don't have. It doesn't say make peace with what you're never going to get. Or stop trying to get more. It says... May have contentment, gratitude, thankfulness with what you've got. Because if we celebrate what we've got, then we don't have time and focus to look at what others have that we don't. You see, that contentment is the, um, the, the counter for covetousness. Let your conduct be without covetousness. There you have it. Why? Be content. And some of translations make this all about money. I believe it includes money, but it's about so much more. Maybe you cover just because we're going to Albania and you're not. Don't be. Be content with what you have. Be content that you're here, that you're part of it, that you're sending us, that you're praying for us. Maybe you're going to come and join the dream team for those two weeks when there's going to be fewer hands on deck to make a service happen. And we're going to send you testimonies and we're going to celebrate together because we're all in this together. Be content for what you've got. Be content for the family that you have. Maybe you don't have a full understanding of the Word, and maybe some of the things I say on a Sunday, like you think I'm crazy. That's okay. Celebrate what you do understand. Don't just say, I'll never get there. Then you'll never get there. Because what? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So does he live out to be. So is your conduct. So if you have a grateful, gratitude mindset, then you'll live happier. You live happier. You live more content, not discontent. For he himself has said, What do you have, Christian? What do you have, believer? What are we to be grateful for? What are we to be content with? (laughs) It's actually sarcastic. It says, Just be happy with what you've got. Oh yeah! By the way, you've got Christ. (laughs) Like it is over above; it's exceedingly abundantly above and beyond what you can ask or think or imagine, according to Ephesians three. But God doesn't even expect you to be out of your skin about it. He just asks you to be content. Wow! And you said God has a is asking a lot of you. He said, "Be content with Jesus." How can that be difficult? Be content with Jesus. Church, I'm saying this, what God said and what He wrote in His Word. Be content with what you have. Because what you have is the very Spirit of God living inside of the believer. And God asks you to be content. You see how contentment is such a key, an antidote for worry, for depression, for anxiety. We live in a world where the mental health is, is really the worst it's ever been, I believe, in history. And we have the answer, church. But we need to first step into it for ourselves so that we can bear fruit for others. Don't tell others how they should be or what they shouldn't be or shouldn't worry about. Let's take, like Jesus said to John and to, or to Peter when he um, prophesied that Peter's going to die upside down on a cross. Peter said, and what about John? I saw this meme yesterday where um, Paul, uh, uh, John speaks to Peter, the apostles now, and he says, I wrote about you in my letter. And then Peter says, oh, what did you write about? That I walked on water? He says, no. He says oh, that God called me the rock on which he's going to build his church? He says, no. He says, no, what did you write about me? He says that I beat you to the grave. <laughs> because if you read that encounter, it says that um, Peter left first to run to the grave, but John got there first. Just sadly, he just he just had to, you know. And see, what, what I get from that is that we can have a little fun as Christians. We don't need to be so holy and, and, and sad and sully and, 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 and just fall over because, oh, oh we are, we've got Jesus, and thank you, Jesus. I'm content with Jesus. And, Some of you heard me sing. I wasn't like that when we were worshipping. I almost sang a solo. That's how excited I got. And when Peter stopped went for a dramatic pause, I went for it. Amen? Because I have Jesus. We have got resurrection power living on the inside. I couldn't keep myself. It wanted to come out and I want you to live in that. Yes, we've got troubles, but I've got Jesus. We've got troubles and we live in a broken world. And I was in a court, double story court with lots of issues and lots of pain and lots of heartache this week. But I've got Jesus. I've got Jesus. I've got resurrection power living on the inside. And I'm going to do something with it. Amen. Yes, I've got work and I'm going to take unpaid leave. But I've got Jesus. I'm going to go to Albania. I'm going to share the gospel with those who don't have Jesus. Because we live in a world where there's two sides. There's a dark side and there's a light side. And we are privileged to have Jesus. We've got the power of God. And I'm not just going to be happy with it. I'm going to let it overflow a bit. Amen? Because Jesus said Himself, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And He wasn't just talking about money. I believe it included that. But what is the greatest gift you can give someone? It's the gospel. It's the gospel. Yes, it takes money to give people the gospel. So thank you to all of you who give and are still going to give into this mission. But if we go and we just sing Kumbaya and we sit in a room and do Bible study, that money is 100% wasted. But if we go and we go out on the streets and we share Jesus, we share the gospel, we overflow, then that's the best investment you could have ever made. Because your money is now going to impact eternity. Money will come and money will go. The word says that. Leaves comes and goes. Opportunities. Comes and then goes. And therefore the word says. Make the most of every opportunity. So how do we do this? Seek first the kingdom of God. And what? His righteousness. His righteousness. So very quickly. Let's go to Romans Romans 5:17 Is it just me or is it getting hot in here? Okay, I never know, you know, I'm always excited and and and, and I always need someone to tell me. Okay. Let's see. So we're going to Romans 5 quickly. I want to show you that you are righteous if you're in Christ and that you cannot do anything about it. That's the good news. Amen? You are righteous if you're in Christ and you cannot do anything about it. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, Romans five seventeen, much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, not the wages, not the salary, not the payment, the, the gift shall do what? Reign in life. Which life? This life. "...by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, so just like Adam caused us to live in trouble, now so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift, not the payment, not the wages, not the salary, the free gift came upon all men unto the justification of life." That doesn't mean everyone's going to be in heaven. It means everyone now has the right, the opportunity to go into heaven. They are justified to have life, and if they're going to accept it, they're going to have life. If they don't, they're not going to. Okay, That's how it is explained. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made... Key word, what? Righteous. Not become righteous, not earn righteousness, made righteous. When I was born, I was born into the family that I was born. I was born into the culture that I was born. I was born into the country that I was born. Did I have anything to do with it? I didn't. I was made that way. Christian, you are made righteous. And there's nothing you can do about it. Made righteous. Not earned. Not up and down. Not on a scale. Not on a sliding scale. Not some more than others. Made what? Righteous. If you don't believe me, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For He has made Him, who is that? Jesus, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made. A different kind of righteousness, or just a little bit righteous. No, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. How righteous are you? In God's eyes. 2 Corinthians 5.21. How righteous are you in God's eyes? As righteous as He is with Himself. You have full access to be in the full presence of God every moment of your life. You have full access to God because you are as right with God as He is with Himself. Because otherwise this verse is lying. Because it says you have become, you've been made the righteousness of God. That's the highest level. That's your level. Start living like it. That's the word. It says, seek first the kingdom. Look at, behold, become kingdom builders, kingdom living people. Become citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Oh yeah, and by the way, when you're there, you're righteous. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Not your righteousness. Not your efforts. Not your works. His righteousness. And then what? You will not be troubled in this world. You see, a lot of trouble comes to Christians because of sin. And what am I sinning? What's sin? What's not sin? That was my question growing up. What is sin? What's not sin? How how, how close can you get? Can you dip your foot in the water and it's not sin? Or what if you slip? You see, you're going to go crazy like a lot of people do. It's about God. It's about kingdom. It's about righteousness. It's about justification to life. It's about living for more than yourself because of Him who's in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Back to Romans 6, verse 4 says, Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. You're a new creature, new creation, all things have become new. Now walk accordingly. That's what this verse says. How new are you? You're as new as Christ is in heaven right now. Because you are in Him. You are seated in Christ. Where? In heavenlies, in the spiritual. It's not heaven, golden thrones, and all those things. It's not about that. It's about spiritual realities. Yes, and the question then obviously comes is how do we live it out in this world? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Don't go for the logistics and the details. Live kingdom. Live God. Live like His children. Live like He's in you. Like He is. Verse 5 says, For even if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall also be in the new likeness of His resurrection. Amen? Such a good word. Verse 6 says, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. The old Peter is dead. You know, I never used to get this excited. I was was in grade 1 and I told my mom I had a great day. And she said, Why did you make a friend? I said, no, I walked around the rugby field by myself. I was timid, I was, I was introverted, I was afraid, I was, I was boring. But I got Jesus, amen? I got resurrection power, and it's going it to come out, amen? My old man is crucified, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Believer, if you're dead in Christ, you're free from sin. Let's move on. Okay, Can we deal with that? No. Can I sign that for you? Can you get it in your heart? Can we move on to kingdom? Can we live righteous? Can we live for more than ourselves? Because if you're living to stop sinning, you're living for yourself. There's more to life. It's better to give, to share, to go. Verse 9. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dies no more. Death has no more dominion over Him. For in that He died, He died unto sin once. But in that he lives, he lives unto God. Likewise, what does likewise mean? Just like Jesus did, now so do you. Likewise, reckon. Reckon is you. You taking account. You writing down the numbers. You doing the summation. And you coming to your conclusion. Reckon yourselves. God reckons you like this. Now reckon yourself. This is what he says. Reckon yourself to be dead indeed unto sin. I cannot do it for you. I wish I could. But you have to do it for yourself. You are dead to sin. You are alive to God. You are dead to sin. You are alive to God. Alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Not by ourselves, not by our effort, not by our thinking even, but by our accepting Jesus and what He's done. Because of what He did, I am what I am. God be thanked that we were the servants, verse 17, the slaves of sin. But you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which you believed. What is so important here is doctrine. It's teaching. Teaching what you believe because what you hear is what you believe and that depends whether there's faith in it or not. It says by the hearing of faith, we are saved. And how does faith come? By hearing. hearing. But not just hearing the word, hearing the word of Christ, the word, the message of the Bible. So the hearing of faith means when you hear the gospel, you get faith to believe that gospel which you've just heard. So how do we get people to believe? We share the gospel. Because the gospel now births faith because they've heard what they should believe in and with that now they believe in what they've heard you see it's a one it's a one package deal now they believe and then what now they start to bear fruit they who bore fruit from the day they heard the gospel until now from the day they heard the gospel until now god be thanked that we were the servants or slaves of sin but you have obeyed from the heart that doctrine, that gospel, that message, that good news. Being then made free from sin. Can you read? <laughs> I'm asking myself this because this is the Bible that I've had since I grew up. You have been free from sin, but now you are no longer who you used to be. You're a slave. Okay. Let's pause there. I'm not going too long, I promise. What has a slave got to do? What authority has a slave? What's a slave? Can he say what he's going to do today? Can he say where he's going to go? Can he say what he's going to eat, what he's going to wear? He is what his master says he is, and he does what his master says he is. Isn't that true? You are a slave to righteousness. You are righteous, and you cannot do anything about it. You're a slave. You have no authority to change your righteousness. You don't have the power. You cannot do it. Whether you sin or not. Whether you go to church or not. Because you've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And just like I was made a South African. Born in Kempton Park. A Viennink. And I cannot do anything about it. I can go change my name, my surname. It's not going to change who I am, where I come from. I'm a slave to that. Just like that, when we are born of God, we are slaves to His righteousness. We are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and we cannot do anything about it. Isn't that good news? That's why Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And what we think is, we think it's somewhere out there. I need to live in tomorrow land or I need to live not where I'm now. You are the righteousness of God. So seeking is not there. It's here. The word, Jesus says, the kingdom of God is where? Where? it's in you see, this is the key to the message this morning and I'm closing with this is what we, what, we, what we used to what the world wants us to do is to look there to look into tomorrow to look into the troubles to, to watch the news to see what's going on and what's load shedding and what's this and what's that and, 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 and to fix and try and, but God says no that's the wrong focus look inside Because inside is kingdom. Inside is is the righteousness of God. And what happens then is your identity changes. And now you start to live and operate according to your true identity, the new nature, the creation of Christ in you. And now as you see that, the word says in James, now you can start to, to live according to what you saw in the mirror. And it's not that God's expecting more of you, you just realize that there's more capacity in you. So is it right to take in a baby? Well, if you're called to do it, yes. But what it depends whether you say yes or no, I believe what did God say, obviously. But God wants all children to have homes. <laughs> I'm using a personal example, by the way. I'm not putting it on you to do this. I'm just asking, like, so what makes you say yes? And I believe it's whether you have capacity. And we, currently have, we barely have capacity for two. Okay. That's why we don't have five. Because it won't work. God has capacity for everyone, but he works through people. Because the word says in Acts twenty, twenty eight, Take care of yourself and to the flock. Seek first the kingdom of God in yourself. Seek first the righteousness of God in you. Get to know that as your personal identity and your true reality, and then you'll start to live accordingly where a lot of performance Christianity has become like you want to be, I'm telling you, forget about that. I'm saying, start understanding who you are. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so will he be, according to Proverbs 27:13. As he thinks in his heart, as your identity, your true nature, why do I speak English this morning? Because I can. I can't speak Zulu. Okay? But I don't think I can. <laughs> that would be weird if I think I can. But I know I can speak English, so therefore it overflows. I know I can speak Afrikaans, so I can step into that. I know I'm the righteousness of God, so I can live like that. I know that Jesus lives in me, so I can make faith decisions. I know that God is never going to leave me nor forsake me. So even in difficult times and dark, and dark situations, and, 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 and when everything goes, goes, on, goes upside down, even in load shedding, and the diesel price, and COVID, whatever, It's a perspective. And one of the things I tell myself is I say the Holocaust was worst. Because it just tells the carnal part of me, shut up. I'm not making light of our current situation. I'm using that as a personal way to say this is, in contrast, there's people who've gone through much worse. Let's live kingdom. Let's live kingdom. Let's live kingdom. Let it flow. We gather to receive, to be equipped, to grow so that we can overflow. What do we overflow? Kingdom. You can overflow what's inside. Kingdom, righteousness, grace, love. Who God is, wants to come out of you. Amen. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.